I had a dream. I did have a dream. Martin Luther King had a dream. Lots of people have had dreams, but I had a dream. And this dream, it still resonates in my mind and my heart because where I am today is really a partial fulfillment of that dream. My oldest son, who was in the first service, he flew down with his wife, Paula. They're here for the weekend, and they weren't able to come for Father's Day last week, so they surprised us, and they came down this weekend. And uh, I was holding my oldest son, Austin. He was probably about a year and a half, 18 months or something like that. And we were living at 654, 654, yes, 654, Lake Washington Boulevard, Northeast, Kirkland, Washington. And as I was walking down the stairs, I just... And one moment, it was probably about 7 o'clock at night, it was dark out, and, and I remember I looked out, and I just saw something. And I saw something, it was, it, was, it was almost so real to me, but it was in my heart, it was in my spirit. And it was a church, I, I saw thousands of people worshiping Jesus. And, and that wasn't my dream, I mean, that wasn't my dream, it wasn't my reality, it wasn't what I was experiencing, but I felt like I was going to be part of that. I felt like that was something that God was placing inside of me, and that, that was 20 27 years ago, and, and that was a dream. It was very real. 20 years ago, Ms. Laura and I, along with two other families, moved from Seattle to Central Florida, and we had this dream, this dream that God had put in my heart. I, I remember it so clearly, and that dream was to bring God's love to the city and lead people to become fully devoted followers of Jesus. And so we launched our first service. Worked hard, had this small team of six people, prayed hard, fasted. We launched our very first service in Altamont Springs, Florida at the old General Cinema Movie Theater. If you've been around Central Florida for a while, you know that there used to be a movie theater in the Altamont Mall. It's now a, where the parking garage is, but it was an old twin theater, and it was, it was old. That's all I'm going to tell you. And, and, and we were able to negotiate a deal, and we had our first service there, and, and it was just miraculous. It was a miracle. And we had church growth in reverse. We had the first week 60 the second week, 39, and the third week, we had 11. And everyone say, church growth. That <laughs> wasn't like my dream, like 11 people. Matt, 500 seat auditorium preaching to 11 people. Wow, that was tough. But God was with us, and so we showed up. We kept going up. I always tell people that the key to success in your life is not quit. Everyone say, not quit. You want your marriage to quit? work, don't quit. If you want your job to work, don't quit. Come on. If you want your life to work, don't quit. And so we kept showing up. And one year to the day later on Easter Sunday, we had our great big Easter celebration. We prayed, we worked hard, and we had over 400 people. I want you to see this picture here. This is my wife. This is Mama Laura here. She's leading Orlando's Mini Mass Choir. And we had over a she had over a hundred kids in children's church. It was Easter. She had them up there singing about the resurrection. And that auditorium that seated five hundred people was literally packed. It was amazing. It was a total miracle. I mean, if you know anything about church world, you know to go from zero to four or five hundred people in a year is nothing short of miraculous. I mean, we didn't know anybody here, and God had just worked, and we were so grateful and so thankful and. We finished that service, and, and, and as we do here, it's been our tradition for 20 years now. We always have an Easter egg hunt afterwards, and so the kids had an Easter egg hunt to look forward to, and you can see this lovely hay that's spread all over the church park, or all over the, the movie theater parking lot, and the kids are having fun. They're getting their Easter eggs, and we're giving away bikes and having a good time. And, and at the end of the day, the, the manager of the movie theater, of the General Cinema, there, there was two of them right next to each other. There was an eight theater right above. It's no longer there as well. But there was an eight theater. That manager came down and said, hey, uh, you guys are going to have to get all your stuff out of here, and you're going to have to be completely out by the end of the day. I'm like, what'd you say? <laughs> 
Are you kidding me? I mean, I'm like, I'm completely shocked. I had no idea. I had no preparation. I mean, we had been working and we had been pouring our heart into launching this church. Can you imagine if you opened a brand new business and at your one year celebration, you had a blowout and then the, the owners of the building came and said, you had, could no longer do business here. And you had no time, no preparation to prepare anybody. I mean, you just, like you show up at your work and the doors are locked. I mean, you just, what do you do? And we were completely devastated. And, and, and I remember that feeling just being like, what in the world just happened? And, and, and so we were cleaning up and we started cleaning up all this hay. And, and the challenge with this hay that we didn't realize at that time is that it was infested with fleas. All that hay there, it was infested. These poor little kitties from all over Ultima Springs have been playing with the fleas. <laughs> uh, we clean that up and we're trying to figure this out. And, and long and short of it, uh, uh, I, we were able to work out a deal with the General Cinema Corporation. We got on the phone. You know what I've discovered about dreams? That if you're going to live out the dream that God's placed in your heart, you're going to have to fight for it. And we got on the phone and we were able to contact the president of General Cinema. And he got me over to an attorney that handled the land deals. And we were able to sign a lease. We were able to sign this lease because here's the deal with the dream. Here's the deal with my dream that I thought was shattered in that moment. It's not what it looks like. It's not what it looks like. Because I signed that lease within seven months, the General Cinema Corporation completely went bankrupt in the state of Florida. And then they went bankrupt nationally. But because I had a signed lease when the mall came to me and said we had to leave the facility permanently, they couldn't kick us out. You see, it wasn't what it looked like. I mean, in one moment, man, it was just an amazing day. I went from my, my highest peak to my lowest valley literally overnight. And we look today in the life of Joseph in Genesis chapter 37. We're going to see Joseph has a dream. I want you to take your Bibles to, and turn to Genesis 37. We're going to read just a couple of verses, verses 3 through 5, and then verses 18 through 19. And as I like to do here at City Church, I want us to stand in the honor of reading God's word. Genesis chapter 37, beginning with verse number 3. In the Bible, it says, now Israel. Now Israel is actually Jacob, but Israel has had an encounter with God. You remember last week we talked about mid-course correction, how the, how the God, God had done something inside of Jacob's heart and Jacob's life. He had changed his life, uh, his life. And at the age of 90, at the age of 90, hear me today, at the age of 90, he changes the direction of his life. He goes from being a passive father, a disengaged father, to a father who really cares. And this, because of that, that change, God gives him a new name. The name Israel. The name, what means, the name that means one who wrestles with God and wins. Now Israel loved Joseph more than any of his other sons because he had been born to him of his old age. And he made an ornament robe for him. And when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them, they hated. Everyone say hated. And they could not speak a kind word to him. No shaloms. No love, your brother. Verse number five, and Joseph had a dream. And when he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. I want you to look down at verse number 18 with me. Then the Bible says, so they moved from there. The man answered, I heard them say, let's go to Dothan. So Joseph went after his brothers and found them near Dothan. But they saw him in the distance. And before they reached them, before he reached them, they plotted to kill him. 
Here comes that dreamer, they said to each other. Come now, let's kill him and throw him to one of these cisterns and say to, to, to say that the ferocious animal devoured him. Then we'll see what comes of his dreams. We'll kill him and throw him into one of these pits. And then they'll say, what has happened to his dreams? I want you to hear this today. I want you to hear this today. It's a setup in your life. It's a setup in your life. Let's pray. Father, we thank you today for grace that's so amazing. We thank you for your kindness today. We thank you for the work of your spirit. You've already done that. You are a way maker. We sensed it, Lord, in such a real way as we are worshiping you today and partaking, Lord, of communion, remembering all that you've done. God, I ask right now, God, for a quickening in our hearts for every person that's here. God, we know today there's no coincidences nor accidents that there are people in this room that need a word from you. And God, I thank you that you've equipped me for that. You've called me for that. And in this moment, God, the words that I'm about to speak would not be my words, but they would become your words in the ears and the hearts of those who hear. Give us ears to hear and give me a mouth to speak. I ask this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. amen. You may be seated. The shift comes. The first 36 chapters of the book of Genesis lays the foundation, the foundation for creation, the first family, Adam and Eve. The Bible in the very first chapters talks about God's plan for planet Earth and for his people, for his creation. Uh, then we move into Noah and we see the life of Noah and the kind of life that he lived and God bringing judgment on the world but then restoring the dream inside of, of Noah. And then we move on to a man by the name of Abram. Abram would become the father of faith, and we see this dream more realized in a fuller way. We see the dream of God to bless his children so that they could be a blessing to the nations. We see the heart of God deposited into Abraham, and he takes that dream that God's placed inside of him, and he places it inside of his son Isaac, and then Isaac shares that dream with Jacob. And now the story is going to shift. The story is going to shift from the life of the patriarchs to this one man, Joseph. Because you see, Joseph would become a type of Christ like no other. There's actually no one else in the Bible that gives us the foundation of the dream and the destiny like Joseph in scriptures. More written about him than Abraham. More written about him than Moses. Joseph is a special guy. Joseph has been called by God. As a matter of fact, the Bible says that when Jacob saw Joseph, he became his favorite son. As a favored son, he had something that represented that relationship, that special relationship with his father. He, he had what the, some have called a coat or a robe. What he had was the favor of the coat on his life. Uh, this coat was significant because this coat had lots of meaning, lots of meaning to Jacob, lots of meaning to Israel. He was passing something on to his son. Uh, the, coat, the Bible says in the Hebrew that it was an ornate coat. Uh, many translated it. The, the, one scholar I was reading was talking about the, the great uh, reformer Martin Luther, how he had translated the word in German out of the Hebrew saying many colors. He said, but I'm not even really sure what it means. Uh, whatever that word in the Hebrew means, it was a fancy coat. It were special threads. It set him apart. It, it gave him a new identity and a new reality. You see, what, what Joseph represents to you and I today is the person of Christ. Because Jesus today gave his life, because he was the father's son, you and I have the possibility to become the father's child. 
I want you to hear this today. This, this robe was significant. There, there's actually some indication in scripture. Isaiah chapter 61 gives us a great little insight. Can you put that verse up on the screen? Uh, that Isaiah gives us a little bit of an insight into what this robe means. The Bible says in the book of Isaiah, I will rejoice greatly in the Lord. My soul will exult in my God, for he has clothed me with garments of salvation. And he has wrapped me with a robe of righteousness. You see, you're a new person now. You're a new, you have a new identity now. This man, Joseph, he was his father's favorite son. And his father would give him this coat, the coat which put him in right standing, which signified to the whole world that this son of mine, he's in right relationship with me. And that's exactly what happens when we come into relationship with God through his son, Jesus. One moment, we're not in right relationship. The next moment, we say yes to Christ. We receive his grace and his forgiveness. And all of a sudden, with that old, old way of life, that old identity, the old way of thinking is gone. And all of a sudden, we put on a new coat. It's a new coat. And this coat is significant because it represents something to us. It represents the righteousness of God. It represents the right standing with God. Because you're in right standing with God, this coat represents some things. The first thing that the coat represents is the love of the Father. The love of the Father. The Bible says that, that Israel loved Joseph. It's a deep word. It's a deep word. I want you to hear this today. Israel loved Joseph. It was his favorite son. He had a mid-course correction. We heard about it last week. He went from being a disengaged father. He went from being a passive father with his older boys to all of a sudden now he realized that he had a moment in history to make a change. So he showed his love. The fact is today that there's a father in heaven who has showed you and I his love. First John chapter three says it like this. See what great love. The Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. The fact is today, because we are in right standing with God because of his son, Jesus, and we are wearing this coat, what it signifies to you and I is that the love of God is our portion. That love, that love that was so amazing, so rich, so deep, that love that allowed him to say, I love the world and their brokenness, and their mess, and in their pain, and in their rebellion, that I'm going to send my only son, my favorite son, and I'm going to allow him to live on planet earth, and to share a message of redemption, to share a message of righteousness, to share a message of the love of the father who wants to put a coat on every man, every woman, every girl, on planet earth, and he lovish that love, and those that receive this love are now called his children. Joseph knew that he was a child of a special man. Joseph knew that he was loved by his father. Do you know you're loved by God today? Not only did this coat represent the love of the father, this coat represents the favor of the father. The favor of the father. You see, Jacob was a powerful man. Jacob was an influential man. Jacob was a wealthy man, a man of prominence and position. He was the son of Isaac, who was the son of Abraham, who was the son of promise. The son that God promised him that through him, all the nations on earth would be blessed. He would have the favor of God. He would walk in that favor. You see, today, if you don't know Christ, if you don't have a relationship with him, you're not a child of God. Oh, you were born and created and made in his image, but you don't have a personal relationship with him. You're still a slave. 
You're still a slave. You're a slave to your sin. You're a slave to your own selfish ways. The Bible says we're actually slaves to, to Satan. We're slaves to a, 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 a false God, another way of living and thinking. But when we come into the relationship, we put on this coat, we start to walk in his love, then we walk in his favor. And the Father's favor is amazing. The favor of God is found like this in Psalms chapter 30. The Bible says, for his anger lasts for a moment, but his favor, the word favor, the word favor means grace. And you know what I know about the favor of God? The favor of God ain't fair. The favor of God makes you look, you, makes you look better than you really are. The favor of God, he, the love of God, the love of God will open the door for you. The favor of God will enable you to walk through that door. When the favor is God, of God is upon you, things in your life just look different. People look differently at you. Peace, people see you differently. You're walking differently. You're not walking as a victim through life. You understand whose you are. You understand that you are loved by your father. You understand that you have his favor. You begin to see your life differently. His favor lasts for his lifetime. His favor was with you. His favor is with me today. The favor of God. He had confidence. He had an assurance. That love of God that opened that door enabled Joseph to walk right through it. Walk right through into the purpose that God had for him. He was a man. He was a man who understood who he was in Christ. He was a man who was under his father's authority. He had the love of the father. He had the favor of the father. He had the authority of the father. This authority is powerful. In the Greek, there are two words that are used. Can you put the next verse up for me? Thank you. It helps me out. There are two words in the Greek that, that, that represent authority or power. One is found in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 1, and it says, you shall receive power, dunamis power. It's an explosive energy. It's, it's the resurrection reality of Christ that comes inside of us the moment we say yes to Jesus. It's dunamis. It's mighty. It, it, it seems at times to be explosive. But there's another word that's used in the Greek. It's the word that represents authority at, such as is delegated from one, one person, our superior to another. In our church, we have many people who have served either in the military or they've served, uh, they served in their local community as a police officer. And what happens is that they're commissioned at some point. Somebody gives them a charge. Uh, one of the young men in our church several years ago, his father had been a lieutenant in the police department in Castleberry, and he was hired to be a police, a police officer. And I remember when he, he got his commissioning. And I remember he came to my office. He was wearing his uniform. He was a different man. Before he came to my office, he was, just, he was just TJ. But the moment he stepped into my office wearing that uniform, wearing that badge on his chest and the gun on his hip, he was now Officer T uh, TJ. He was Officer Tim. He carried himself differently. He walked differently. He understood the authority that had been given to him. And now every time he got in that automobile and he decided to pull up behind a car, and turned on his little bubblegum lights. Oh, he knew who he was. He, know, he, know who he, he knows who he is. He was a man of authority. The fact is, when Christ comes into our life, we're new people. He's given us new authority, new position. Where it's been delegated to us by our Heavenly Father. Jesus said it like this. Look, I have given to you authority over all the power of the enemy. 
today. This coat represents the love of the Father, represents the favor of the Father, but it also represents the authority. You are a new person in Christ Jesus. We don't have to settle for victimhood. We don't have to settle for living beneath and below. We don't have to live today allowing the enemy to run roughshod over us and living in our bondages and enslaved to sin. No longer. Come on. No longer. We've been given spiritual authority. We can walk on snakes and scorpions and we will crush them. And nothing, nothing will harm you. That's the authority. Come on, give God a hand today. God has given you and I authority. We've been given the code of the Father's love, the Father's favor. It's unconditional. It's unearned. It's free of any man-made work of your own. It was paid for by Christ's righteousness. You simply receive this coat of favor today. That coat, that coat that was on Joseph, coat that represented his destiny, was hated. The enemy hates your soul today. The enemy hates your life today. You see, the fact is the moment you said yes The moment you accepted the revelation of who Jesus was, you became a primate target enemy of Lucifer, of Satan, of the devil, of every force of hell. The Bible says in verse number four, they hated him and could not speak a kind word to him. But it's not what it looks like. It's not what it looks like. See, Joseph was a man of dreams. In verse number five, the Bible says Joseph had a dream. And when he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. And then he said to them, listen to this dream. Listen to this dream. Listen to this dream. He had a dream dream lately. I've had lots of dreams. That dream that I had between five and six, when my first alarm goes off and I hit that snooze button and that six o'clock alarm, I get lots of dreams. I don't remember most of those dreams. Someone asked me really recently, they said, uh, they said, how are you doing? I said, I'm living the dream. I'm just trying to stay out of them nightmares. <laughs> Joseph was living. Joseph had a dream that God had put inside of him. And this is what I know about dreams that come from God. You can't contain them. You can't stop them. What, you're, what you dream about becomes what you are passionate about. And what you are passionate about is what you talk about. I talked to a young man this week, and he was telling me about the people that he led to Christ last week. He said, last week I led two people to Christ, and then this week I've led four people to Christ. And He was so passionate. He was so passionate. And you know what his dream is? His dream is to see people who were far from God come to a personal relationship with Jesus. He couldn't contain it. He had to call me. He had to tell me. Somebody that didn't know Christ, someone who was walking in darkness, has now been transferred from darkness into the kingdom of light. And we celebrated together his passion and his dream. God's placed a dream inside of your life. There's a dream. And God's dreams are amazing because God's dreams are always large. We have a lot of wishes in life. We wish life was better. We have a lot of thoughts, but we never act on them. The dream of God starts to resonate in our spirit and our heart. We start to share it with other people. And it's always bigger than anything we could ever accomplish on our own. Listen to what Joseph said about his dream. I want you to hear what he says here. Because I had this dream. 
We were binding sheaves of grain. He's talking to his brothers out in the field with suddenly my sheaf arose and stood upright and your sheaves gathered around mine and bowed down to it. I don't know if it was wise at 17 years of age for Joseph who was wearing a coat of favor. I mean, he, Jacob didn't hand this coat to Reuben. He didn't hand it to Judah. Jacob didn't hand this robe to any of his other sons. It was one son, the favorite son. I don't know if it was wise for a 17-year-old to share everything that God put inside of him, but he couldn't contain it, contain it because it was so large. It was so big. The Bible says that he saw this dream. And dreams in our life that come from God, I know this about them. I know this, that if it's a dream from God, it's always bigger than something I could ever accomplish on my own. Always. Always. It's a dream of position. It's a dream that was shared in his youthful zeal. But it was a big dream. What is your dream today? What's the big dream? What's the thing that God has placed in you that he's called you to do? See, I have a calling. My calling is different than your calling. The dream that God placed in my heart for this church was not your dream. It was my dream. But what I know about God is that every person in this room, he has given them a dream. And what this, this is what I know about the dream that God has placed in you. It is a picture of a future that is greater than your past. Come on, the dream that God places in your life is a preferred future that is greater than the past that you've lived. God's placed that inside your heart. It's a greater dream. It's a bigger dream. And the dream that God places inside of you will take uncanny faith to accomplish. Uncanny faith. The word faith simply means a firm conviction that God has called me to it. And when God calls you to something, you won't quit it. Hebrews chapter 11 says it like this. Without faith, without faith, confidence, conviction, trust in God, it is impossible. You know what Jesus said about the impossible? You know what Jesus said about the impossible? Well, others said it was impossible in your life. Jesus said, whatever seems to be impossible, man, impossible with men is possible with God. Without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. It requires an uncanny faith. Dreams are the love language of God the Father to his children. God placed a dream. The dream manifests itself in the giftings and the callings. In Acts chapter 2, Peter, Peter, who had lost sight of the dream with lost sight of the dream and was living for himself, has an encounter with the resurrected Jesus. And because of that encounter, his life was drastically changed. And that which lay dormant, that which lay dormant inside of his heart when he received the Holy Spirit and the power of God, that dream became alive and he began to tell other people. He began to tell other people about the greatness of his God and the bigness of his God. You see, when you read the Old Testament, you see a lot of stories and people have called it a patriarchal society. I want you to know when the dream came alive through Peter, it wasn't just for men. It was for women. It was for all people. And this is what he said. And in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all. Everyone say all, all people, all people and your sons and your daughters, sons and daughters will prophesy. 
all people. The dream is for everyone in this room. The dream, the dream of God, the greatness of God, the purpose for which he's created you, the calling which he has placed on your life, the gift of God. God calls today each of us in this room. It's his love language. It's his promise for you and I. It's the potential that he's planted inside of us. It's why Peter told the church that he was writing to in 1 Peter chapter 4, each of you should use whatever gift, whatever gift you received to serve others. You see, when God gives you a dream, he always equips you to accomplish it. God's placed it inside of you. I heard someone once say, you know, if you don't use the gifts, you'll lose the gifts. You know what I've discovered? It's not that you, it's not that you lose the gifts, but you will be judged for the way you use there's a big difference. If you don't use your gift, if you don't use that calling, that sense of greatness that God has put inside of your life, you will be judged for that. I love what my spiritual mentor, Dr. Rick Warren, says about dreams, about God's purpose. He says, you cannot arrive at your life's purpose, your life's destiny, your life's dream by starting with the focus on yourself. You don't get into a back room or a boardroom and strategize and say, okay, here are my three options. No, no, it's a dream that comes. It begins with God, your creator. You exist only because God wills that you exist. You were made by God and for God. It wasn't your dream. It was God's dream. God's dream inside of your life. It's a large dream, but every dream, Places inside of a person's heart is hated. The Bible says that his brothers hated him. They hated him. It's not what it looks like. It's not what it looks like in your life, and it's not what it looks like in my life. Yes, we had this dream, but we must be on guard of the dream killers. In verses 13 through 36, we're going to see Joseph's life begin to take a turn. Joseph, the Bible says in verse number 17, went to his brothers and he found them near Dothan. And when they saw him in the distance, before he reached them, they plotted to kill him. Joseph was about ready to step into a bad day. Joseph was about ready. He was following his father's instructions. His fathers had told him, go down and check on your brother." You know, we want to wake up every day and we just want to be like Pharrell Williams. You know what I mean? Every day we just, here's the dream before us and we want to sing this song right here. You know this song? Come on. Because I'm happy. if you feel my Yeah, my dream. Come on, sing with me. I like a room without a cloud. Come on, man. Come on. He had some people that wanted to destroy his dream. I mean, he's just living life. He's down at Starbucks. And he wants his drink. He just wants to drink a skinny macchiato with whip on top. That's what he wants to do. But no, he's obeying his father's instructions. Go, go down and see what your brothers are up to. If God had told Joseph in advance, If God had told Joseph in advance the dream killers that would come to him, he would have quit. 
He would have, I don't believe, I don't believe if, if Joseph would have really known what his future destiny held, he would have just stumbled. He would just run right into it. I mean, because Joseph just ran right into it. He didn't stop. He didn't pass hell. I mean, he just went right through it, ran right into it. He runs right in to a very difficult, challenging place and time of his life. Joseph runs to the dream, to the destiny. Inside, inside of that reality, because his brothers hated him, verse number 23, when they saw him coming, they plotted to kill him. They took that robe. Took the brother, the little brother, they manhandled him. They stripped the coat off. They stripped that robe off of him. Oh yeah, you think you're special, don't you? You think the Father loves you more than me. Oh yeah, you know what you did back there. We saw you. We saw what you said. They, they tried to take this robe, which represented the love of the Father. They, they tried to take this robe, which represented the favor of God. Oh yeah, you think you're special. What are you going to do now, dreamer? What's going to become? Oh, we're really going to bow down and serve you? Oh, yeah, the nations? Come on. They plotted to kill him. The Bible says in John 10, 10, the thief has come to kill, to steal, and to destroy. He wants to take the robe that the Father has placed on your life. He wants to strip it off you. Come on. He wants to crush it. He wants to throw it on the ground. He wants to cause you to forget. Come on. They took it off. And then they grab him. And they throw him. I was going to jump into the pit. It's a baptismal pool. But it's drained. The Bible says, and they take him. They strip the robe off. They throw him into the pit. I want you to see the last part. The Bible says there was no water in it. This is a baptismal pool. It's drained. It's empty. There's no water in it today. You know what it represents? No one's getting baptized today. It represents that no one has experienced new life today. It, it, it represents that today, because this baptismal pool is empty, there's no new dreams. They were trying to destroy his dream. Throw him into the pit. No water. The dream represents death. I mean, the, the pit represents death of a dream. Maybe you've had that in your life. Maybe, you know, you were a new Christian. You were so full of zeal and so full of passion for the things of God. And, you know, they just kind of drifted away. Man, the, the love for reading God's word, the, the love for spending time with him in worship, it just becomes a religious thing now. That relationship. Maybe a death of a dream of going back to school and you wanted to do something significant, but you find yourself in a dead-end place of your reality. Now, maybe it was a marriage. You thought you were going to marry this person. They were going to be the prince or the princess of your life. And it was all just going to be from here forever after. That, that was just shattered. The dream was shattered. Divorce came into your world. I mean, maybe, the, maybe today you found yourself, you're in a dry place. The Bible says the cistern or the pit was empty. No water. Maybe you today feel like there's no water in your life. Jesus said, I am, I am the living water. And whoever drinks of me will never thirst again. For out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. But you came in here today and there's no water. Man, it's just, you're just, I don't even know what you're doing here. Oh, I'm not saying you're not a Christian today. I'm not talking about that today. The dream, that dream, that passion, the thing that you used to always talk about, it's been stripped from your life. It's been thrown into a pit. 
God, hear this today. They tried to take the coat off of Joseph. There was one problem. There was one problem. There was one problem. God was getting ready to do a setup in his life. God was getting ready. In verse 28, I want you to see what happens. They take him up out of the pit. The Bible says they sell him into slavery. Coat, the robe is stripped. The robe is stripped. The authority, the love, thrown down, cast down. Can't think of a better imagery. Jesus was betrayed for 30 pieces of silver. Joseph was rejected, rejected, sold into slavery for 20 pieces of silver. Sold away. Some of us in the room today, you know what I'm talking about. You find yourself enslaved. You find yourself enslaved to the things that you know you shouldn't do. You're like Paul who speaks to the church at Rome and says, the things that I do are the things that I should not. And the things that I should not do are the things that I do. And God says, no, no, no. That's not the way I created you. It's not who I made you to be. You see, they took Joseph and they tried to strip him of the coat. Come on. They tried to sling him into a pit. They tried to sell him into slavery. But it's not what it looks like today. Come on. It's not what it looks like today. Because they were able to take the coat off of Jacob. But they were never able to take the coat out of Jacob. Come on. They were never able to take the coat out of Jacob. Jacob knew that he was loved of his father. Jacob knew that he had the favor of his father. Jacob knew who he was and his authority. Oh, they took that coat off. They slung him into a pit. And I want you to see this last thing here. I want you to see this last thing. And meanwhile, the Midianite sold Joseph in Egypt to Potiphar, one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard. Because it's not what it looks like. God had a setup. God had a setup. God had a setup. Everything that's happened in your life to this point has been a setup for God to do something greater. Everything, come on, everything in your life, every disappointment, every dark moment in the pit, every discouraging word that's been spoken, every person that's shown hatred towards you, God has used it in your life for this moment, for this hour, because God has a setup. God has a setup. You are no longer a slave, but now you are a son and a child of God. Come on, someone said amen in the house today. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? Every dream requires two things. Faith, unswerving conviction. Do you know that today? Do you know the dream, the reality that God's placed in you? God says to fan the flame, the dream. That's your part. Are you willing to follow God wherever that dream takes you? I mean, Joseph, he ran straight into it. He ran straight into his brothers. You're going to run straight into your destiny. But it's not what it looks like. Because the rest of the story hasn't been told yet. 